Good morning and happy new year to all of you. And if you'll bear with me just a second, I've got to pull out these old things out of my pocket and they are called reading glasses. Um, it, uh, it hit overnight, uh, just out of nowhere. I got to where I couldn't see anything up close. Uh, so you'll have to bear with my, my glasses here. I hope all of you have truly had a fantastic uh, Christmas and happy new year. And uh, yes, we are at the uh, onset of the year 2016. And I love this time of year because it really, truly is a natural stopping point and starting point for all of us because we, we have a natural time of where we stop to evaluate and a, and a natural time to stop and plan and look to the future. Um, we, we all had goals and resolutions that I'm sure many of us set for last year in 2015, and uh, some of us uh, met those goals and resolutions, some of us didn't, and that's okay. That's why we have 2016. Uh, and so what I'm going to uh, talk with us today about is a, a passage out of Isaiah. Uh, truly uh, is, is my favorite Bible verse. If, if you held a gun to my head today and said, Gary, you've got to pick one Bible verse uh, that you've got to stick with for the rest of your life, it would be Isaiah 41.10. And uh, it is by far my favorite verse in all the Bible. And, and as we unpack this in just a little bit, you'll understand why. Uh, but we all, uh, as, as we stand here at the beginning of 2016, we all want to get healthy and we all want to get fit and we all want to uh, get, uh, get kind of control of our health. And we have something built in for you here at our church this coming Wednesday called our Health Expo. Uh, starts at 3.30 and runs until 8, just all around our campus. We'll have vendors here uh, uh, of all sorts to help you kind of get, get a grip of your health and, and just kind of get a good healthy pattern set. So uh, this Wednesday night, 3.30 uh, to 8, as you get off work, come by and, uh, and participate in our health expo. So for some of us, the year 2015 was filled with success and happiness and everything just went great. Uh, if you if you had to kind of chart 2015, you know, and the good and the bad, you'd have a lot of good and just a little bit of bad. Uh, some of us, on the other hand, 2015 didn't go so well. Uh, we uh, we saw the death of loved ones. We saw the death of spouses. We saw uh, financial issues. We saw marital issues. Whatever it may be. So for you, you're charting, and you you had very little good and just a ton of bad, just a ton of negative things uh, that took place. Regardless of what 2015 brought you, 2016 stands here today, and, uh, and God is ready to use this year in your life to do something fantastic. He's ready. He's waiting on you, and he's waiting on me to simply say yes uh, to him. Isaiah 41, verses 1 through 10 is what we're going to spend our time on today, uh, is a great passage to help us understand that we can face 2016 with courage and boldness. Now, let me give you a little, little background as to why Isaiah 41.10 is so meaningful for me. Uh, if you know me at all, uh, you know what my greatest fear in all of life is, and it's flying. I know. Uh, that is that is such a, you know, we fly every day, right? I mean, hundreds of flights every day take off and land with no problem. I just know that when I fly, I'm going to be the one flight that has a problem. Now, that's just the way I think. That's naturally. I'm already thinking through what's going to go wrong. It's a sickness. Trust me. I understand. So uh, several years ago, as I was working on my doctorate of ministry back, uh, this is multiple years ago, 
uh, I was uh, on my way back home from a doctoral seminar in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, back then, I lived in Fort Myers, Florida, South Florida. And uh, I was on a Delta airplane, and uh, I was sitting on the, at the jetway in Atlanta. We were getting ready to, to push back and take off and go fly just a little short flight to South Florida. Well, to set the stage for you that day, uh, it was raining cats and dogs. I mean, it was just miserable. The wind was blowing. The rain was, you, you know, that sideways rain. It was just awful. And, and I kept thinking, sitting out in the, in the terminal waiting to board, they're going to put the delayed. We're going to let the rain pass. Sun's going to come out. We'll get on the airplane and off we go. Well, they start calling for our boarding. So in my mind, I kept thinking, that's all right. We'll board. We'll sit on the plane. They'll, they'll, they'll determine, ah, it's too rainy, too bad. Let's, let's unload and we'll wait. And so as I'm sitting there waiting on that announcement, uh, more people are getting on the airplane. I'm sitting by the window in the rear of the plane. Uh, it's it, already bad, all right? You know that if you sit in the rear of the plane, your chances of dying in a crash go way up. So I know everything's working against me because I'm back in the rear. It's one of these planes with the engines on the side, a little MD-88. The engine's right beside me. So if you have an explosion, shrapnel, I'm out, all right? So, so I'm sitting back there, I'm buckled up, and I'm just, more and more people are getting on the airplane, and lo and behold, the stewardess comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, closed the front doors and are ready for pushback, buckle your seatbelt, and they start going through the safety thing. And I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. We're going to take off in this? And the lady is having to talk above her normal voice because the rain is hitting the top of that fuselage so hard. It is so loud. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. So we push back. We're starting to taxi out. And I had my Bible with me. And it was in the seat back pocket where the, where the safety card is. By the way, I look at the safety card. I don't know if any of you do. Uh, I asked Gavin, my son. We flew back from New York a couple of days ago. And I, I've, I look at the safety thing. If I got to get out, I want to know how to get out of that thing. So... So I have my Bible there. As we're pushing back, as we're taxing out, I, I, I get my Bible, and as God is my witness, I just open it up. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I open it up, and it's Isaiah 41. And I look down, and that's what I read. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know what I did? I read it again. After I read it the second time, you know what I did? I read it a third time. You know how many times I read that? I read that until I saw blue in the sky as we climbed out of that storm. Isn't it amazing how God's Word brings peace and comfort in our lives? Isn't it amazing how the Word of life, the very Word of God spoken to us by the Creator God can bring calm and peace in our lives? Now, I know for many of you think, Gary, fear of flying. How in the world are you afraid of flying? I am. I don't know. I just am. You might wonder, do I still read that when I'm in an airplane? Ask my son, Gavin, who sat next to me. I don't have to read anymore. I've got it memorized. 
As we're going down the runway, under the, just quietly into my voice, he could hear me. He said, do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you and I'll strengthen you and I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's how I, that's how I came to love this passage. But you can't get verse 10 until you get the first nine verses. So let's look at it and let's see what God is setting up here and then we'll, we'll kind of break it down and, and finish up here. He begins in verse 1, he says, uh, listen to me in silence. And just so, you, just so we know, he's calling to order all these false gods and idolaters. And he's calling to the order them, calling them to order in almost like a courtroom scene. And he's bringing charges and, he, and he's listing out all the issues here. And so here, here's the first thing he says, says, listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. The first thing that we get out of this is, is that he is the judge over all the earth. God is the judge over all the earth. He is the final say. He's the final word. He's the final say and the final word then. And guess what? Today, God is the final say and the final word over all of life. Don't be, don't be fooled. Don't, don't be fooled to think that politicians have the final say, that Supreme Courts have the final say, that anybody has the final say. God Almighty has the final say. And that's what he's telling them. I am the judge over the earth. And then he goes on in verse 2. Verse 2 and 3, he says, Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings Underfoot, He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. In verses 2 through 3, in essence, he's saying, look, I rule the rulers. God rules the rulers. He, there, there is no king, there is no president, there is no authority on earth that is above God. He rules the rulers. He's in charge. Uh, there is no one greater. He is all powerful. Politicians and judges and kings have no say over God. And, and let, me, let me take a little side note here. And This is not a political statement, but it's a statement that you and I need to understand in political times. We, the church, overall worldwide, tend to put more emphasis on who's elected, then we put more emphasis on God Almighty. Look, we, we've had Republican presidents and courts. We've had, we've had conservative everything. And what? We still have more abortions taking place now than ever more. We still have divorces taking place. We still have all the ailments in society. It is not a conservative and liberal issue. It is a God issue. It is an issue whether or not you and I, as God's children, are going to depend on God for the ailments of our own life, much less the ailments of our culture. So as we enter this season of politics, don't get misguided, don't get wrapped up and, and forget that he rules the rulers. It is God who rules the rulers. But then verse 4, I love this. He goes, who has performed and done all this? Calling the generations from the beginning. He asks the question, and as God does, he asks and he answers. Listen to how he answers the question. He says, I, the Lord, 
the first and with the last, I am he. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds familiar from John's writings in the Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and I am the last. I had an uh, eighth grade Sunday school teacher that would always say, Jesus is the first and he's the last and he's everything in between. He's everything. He's the beginning and he is the, the end. He is outside of time. Look, he's not constrained by our constraints. He's not constrained by time. He doesn't wring his hands and wipe the sweat off his brow at our issues. He doesn't wring his hands at the, at the state of our country. By the way, um, you know, we, we're talking about fear in just a second, but uh, there's a lot to fear in our world. I, I did some research. You know how many terrorist attacks worldwide we had in, in 2015? 386 terrorist attacks worldwide this past year. You look, you turn the news on, and it's always seemed that's the kind of the tenor of the conversation. It's terror, it's fear, it's worry, it's all this stuff. And God is saying, do not fear. Don't fear. He tells us not to fear. In a minute, we're going to see why he says not to fear. He, he doesn't just give us a command not to fear and not back it up. He gives us the command not to fear, but then he backs it up. He gives us some reasons why you and I can live life without fear. He says, I am the first and I am the last and I'm everything in between. He was and is and will be. Listen to this. He was before you and I ever were. He will be before you, after you and I are long gone. He, he has been where you're going. That's why he says, trust me. He has walked the steps that you're walking. That's why he says, take my hand. He holds the balance of all of life. And that's why he looks to you and me and he says, trust me. He knows what tomorrow is going to bring in your life. He's God. To say he doesn't know what tomorrow brings is to say that he is not God. He not only knows what tomorrow brings, he knows the ending point of your life. That's why he looks at you and he says, do not fear. Trust me. Trust me. Finally, in verses 5 through 9... He says, the coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Verse 6, everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthen, strengthens the goldsmith. And he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. In essence, what's happening here is, is the idolaters and the, all that they're, they're kind of banding together and they're kind of saying to one another, it's going to be okay. It's, it's all right. Just keep doing what you want to do. God keeps on. He says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you. 
and not cast you off. He has chosen us. He has chosen you. This is a wonderful picture of his love expressed to you. As you read on through the, through the scripture, you'll understand that his love was expressed to you through his son, Jesus Christ, who contrary to what the culture and the world wants to say, the Lord Jesus Christ did die on a cross and he was buried in a tomb and he did rise from the dead and he stands here today offering an invitation to us all to accept him, to allow him to live through us to give us life everlasting, to give us a life that is, to, to give us a life that is an abundant life. Jesus stands ready to do that. But to understand verse 10, we had to get verses 1 through 9. Let's look at verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In 2016, I'm convinced, based on this passage, that we can live without fear. Number one, we can live without fear. That's what he says, fear not, for I am with you. As we said, there's plenty to fear. There's plenty for us to want to fear in life. But when you have the presence of God Almighty in your life, it is possible for us to fear not. He says, fear not. Why? Because I am with you. Try to think of the kind of a different way to to illustrate this point of being with you. Um, you know, we've, we've heard the, the point illustrated with a father and a son, with a, maybe a child in a dark room, and the father or a parent walks into the room. But to, to stay with my airplane, airplane story, I thought I would let you in on a little bit of this, what this comfort is of, of God being with us, kind of humanly speaking. If you fly with me, you will know that I get there very early. And I'm there early on a re- on reason. I don't want to miss my flight. But I sit close to where the ticket counter is. You know who checks in at the ticket counter? That's right, the pilot. The pilot checks in at the ticket counter. Have you ever noticed that? You probably haven't because you, you're not as wound up as I am about flying in an airplane. But sure enough... <clears throat> If you sit there long enough, you see this guy coming down the, the, the thing, pulling a cart, and he's got a, a uniform on and a hat. Now, I don't mean any disrespect at all by this, but here's the deal. If that pilot has white hair and aviator sunglasses, I'm good to go. Because that guy has probably landed on a moving aircraft carrier in the middle of the night. I'm good. Now, this past summer we went out west and we were sitting at a Houston airport waiting on our pilot to arrive, waiting on the plane. And um, my family's over there on their phones having a great time. 
I'm walking around looking, trying to find our pilot. <laughs> and I see two pilots coming down, coming down the, the concourse, and I thought, they had Southwest Airlines things, and I said, that's got to be them. Kind of an older guy, medium-age guy, you know, nice cut. I mean, they, they, these guys are Navy pilots, Air Force, whatever. We're in good hands. So they're coming, and then they, they keep going to the right. And they check in at the counter on the flight next to us. Not them. All right? Well, on up the jet, on up the concourse, it happens. And I mean no disrespect whatsoever at all by this. I saw a lady pilot coming down the concourse. Rick, I'm going there. I, I hate it. I am. Short lady. And had the uniform and had a hat and was pulling. I knew she wasn't the stewardess because she was wearing a pilot's hat. All right? And no disrespect, ladies, at all. And I thought, this can't be happening. We're, we're going to LAX. They've got to, surely you've got to be, you, you got to be a, an older guy to fly to LAX. Well, she gets closer and closer and closer. She's coming right, I mean, she's coming right at me because the counter is back there. And I'm, I'm kind of not trying to be obvious. I'm just watching. And, and she goes, she pull, I mean, she, I'm short, all right? She's like up to here on me. I think she can't see over the thing, you know. So she passes by gate 4B right here. She goes to 4B. She checks in. She's our pilot. It's done. I'm over. There's no way this lady's going to get... I, I, I was a nervous wreck. She didn't even sound right on the intercom. Uh, you know, it just it didn't even sound right. I'll tell you this, though. It was the smoothest landing I've ever had in my life. It was God's way of getting back at me. I mean, she just put that thing right... But there's something to know when God says, I am with you. There's a comfort when God says, I am with you. 1 John 4, 8 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. You can live without fear in 2016. You can because God is with you. But number two, we can overcome worry and despair in 2016. We can live without fear and we can live without worry and despair. It says, be not dismayed for I am your God. 
The word for dismayed means literally to anxiously look around. To anxiously look around, wringing your hands, wiping the sweat off your brow out of worry, out of being anxious. You've been there, right? You know what I'm talking about, just anxiously looking about you, wondering what's going to happen. Well, God says, be not dismayed. Why? Because I'm your God. He says, do not worry. Why? Because I'm with you. Then he says, be not dismayed. Don't look around anxiously. Don't walk through life in darkness. Don't walk through life wiping the sweat off your brow all the time and wringing your hands out of anxiousness and worry because I am your God. The I am. The one who stood out, stepped out of nowhere, stood on nothing and created everything says, I am your God. There is no issue too great for God. There is no issue too small for God. There is no worry. There's no, there's nothing out there that catches God off guard. He says, be not dismayed. I am your God. We experience these feelings of anxiousness and despair when our perspective is wrong. You know that, right? When your perspective is misguided, when your, when your perspective is askew, we experience worry, anxiousness, and despair. <clears throat> when your focus is on your own problems, and when your focus is on your problems, then I guarantee you, you're going to be filled with worry and despair. See, David had it right when he faced the giant. When David faced Goliath, the size of the giant never bothered David. Because for David, David saw God more than he saw the giant. And, and when he compared God to the giant, he saw how much greater God was than the giant. And for David, the giant no longer intimidated him because he understood his God was much greater than the giant. Be not dismayed. Why? He says, for I am your God. Be not dismayed because I am your God. Let me tell you something. If you're sitting in this room today and you are just at that place in life and, and it's just raining on you, you can't catch a break. Surely 2016 is going to get better and something happens. Where's your, where's your focus? Where's your focus? I guarantee you. I guarantee you this. Not based on what I'm telling you, but based on what the, what the Word of God says. I guarantee you, God is far greater than anything that's causing you to worry and be in despair today. Guaranteed end of sentence. But number three... We can walk in strength in 2016. He says, I will strengthen you. 
I will strengthen you. He tells us not to fear because he's with us. He says, don't be dismayed because I'm your God. And then he, he go, he, he's going to give us a list of things here that he's going to do on our behalf. Do you hear that? He's going to do on our behalf. These are not things that he's going to do if we do something. See, he didn't save us if we did. He saved us because he loved us. We don't have to work to be loved by God anymore. Because God loves you as much as he ever has. His love is never changing. Be free in that love. He loves you. Quit trying to earn it. Show him that you love him by the way you live your life today. Show him. But understand, you don't have to earn his love anymore. You don't have to earn his love at all. His love is given to you by his son, Jesus. But we can walk in strength. We're told in John 15, 5, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. So understand that apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand uh, that we need the power of God like never before. We need God's power in our lives like never before. We need God's power in our churches like never before. We need God's power in our families like never before. We're hearing multiple voices calling out for our attention today. Listen to the voice of God. The church today is filled with people who love God and who are just simply trying to survive. You are in survival mode and God has so much more for you. He's got so much more for you than just surviving. He doesn't want you just to survive life. He wants you to thrive in life. It's amazing to see how, how the evil one works. We, we have more alcoholics today than ever before. We have more people, more men and women now addicted to porn than ever before. We have families that are just trying to make it to the end of the week. We have guys that are struggling with things that, that, that would just blow you away. And God is screaming, I want to help you. I want to strengthen you. That's sad, right? It's it's sad that we have guys and we have people, Christians, that are that are that are struggling with alcohol, that are struggling with porn, that are struggling with marital issues, that your marriage is hanging by a thread. That's sad. You want me to tell you what the saddest part about the whole thing is? Here it is. Because we live in a world that is, that is so, it's so important for us to look good. That we're going to play that part to the very end. We're going to play that part to the very end because we want people to think we have it all together. And for many in the church, 
To admit that you don't have it all together is to admit that you're a second-class Christian. Let me tell you something. It's okay not to have it all together. If you have it all together, then why do you need Jesus? Look, if you're telling me you have it all together, I have serious questions about where you are in your faith. Because the Bible says, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. There's freedom when we come alongside of one another and open up. We have a ministry here that meets on Tuesdays. It's called Route 1520. It, it's uh, for, uh, for men who are struggling with, with, uh, with uh, 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 sexual addictions, what it is. And the, I love being a part of that group because that's the one week, one di- time a week, where everybody in that room is honest. And I love what, what they always say. There's, there's freedom in the light. There's captivity in the dark. When we choose to keep our stuff hidden, we will remain captive to our stuff. But when we allow the Lord to shine his light on our lives with other people, we are set free from that which the devil uses to keep us in bondage. So let me encourage you. There's no fear. There's no reason to be captive to despair and worry. There's there's no reason not to, to walk in strength today. You know that I run... And uh, I've I found that through running, it's amazing what I've discovered through running. It's, uh, uh, it, <clears throat> over the course of, of, of time, I've lost about 60 pounds uh, because I, I just needed to get healthy. And uh, as you run, you, you, you create connections and bonds with other people. And there's a group of guys that I run with, Greg Alexa and John Watson, Brad Arnold, uh, somewhere around here in Alex Childs. Alex Childs is our, is our team physician. Now, I understand he's a gynecologist, but he's still there. <laughs> and and <clears throat> in, in case something goes wrong, Alex knows at least who to call, all right? But we, we, all, we all ran the Rocket City Marathon together back in December, and my first marathon time was four hours, 45 minutes, and 40 seconds at Mercedes in Birmingham. I thought, sub five hour, that's pretty good. Rocket City Marathon is labeled the, the South's fastest marathon. It's flat. It's in December, which means it's usually cold, great conditions. I was going in in the back of my mind thinking, four hours, 20 minutes, I'm going to PR this. So we start off and we get to the, the first half and we're, we're on target. Man, we are on target. What I didn't mention to you is that at race 
time, start time, the temperature was about 68 degrees with 100% humidity. Yeah, that's what I felt. So we kept going, and the first half, we felt good, still felt, felt great. But about mile 17, the wheels came off. Lost my legs. I was, I was done. Forget four hours, 20 minutes. Forget five hours. And I found, we, we kind of, our group kind of separated. We had a group that went on ahead. And Brad Arnold, if he's in the room, he knows what Brad Arnold and I, had we not stayed together, we would not have finished that race. It was that bad. We finished in five hours, 20-something minutes, and some odd seconds. But I didn't care. But there's something empowering about walking through life with somebody. Let me encourage you to do that. Men, you know, when, when you got married during the, the vows, you know, Paul gives a challenge uh, for, for wives to love for, uh, for wives to, to love their husbands and, and respect them. Then Paul gives men a challenge. He says, men, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He died for the church. Men, love your wives enough that you die for them. And I'm convinced, I I'm, I'm utterly convinced until somebody convinces me otherwise that, that our churches are where they are, our world is where it is, because the men are not being men. Husbands are not leading their wives. Fathers are not fathering their kids. Men, what a great year to turn it around. What a great year to start in 2016 and saying, you know, Lord, with your power, with your leading, Lord Jesus, this is, you're not condemning me. This is not a a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. The Lord Jesus wants to use you men to lead your families. Little plug, man church, January 31, 6 p.m. Don't miss it. You thought the last one was good? Rick Burgess, Rich Wingo are going to challenge us to do just that in 2016. He says, I will strengthen you. But number four, he goes on. He says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, experience his love. Experience his love. He says, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. That, that idea of helping you is the idea of, of being in relationship with him. He's going to come alongside of us and help us. Hebrews 13, 6 says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? When God says he will help us, it's indicative of the reality that he has a relationship with us. And to be in relationship with God is life changing. Just as much as we need the power of God, we need His help. 
He's called all of us to be on mission. He's called all of us, every one of us, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be on mission for him. And rest assured that if he's called you, and he has, he will equip you and help you and strengthen you to live to that calling. He has called you. Now live up to that calling. And the last thing, number five, I got ahead of myself, but this is it. Be sustained by his grace. In 2016, we can be sustained by his grace. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Righteous right hand is symbolic, really, of God's faithfulness. It is through his grace that you and I are his children. Understand that when all else fails, God is with you. Understand that when your world seems to fall apart, God is still there. When life doesn't make sense and things just don't add up, understand that God is still there. When the doctors give you bad news and when they don't have the answers that you're so desperately wanting, understand that God is still there. When you have to put your spouse of 60 years in the ground, understand that God is still there. When, when, your, when your support system seems to fall apart, understand, he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is still there. He is still there. He is still in your life. He is still with you, in you and beside you, wanting to use you, wanting to come in and speak words of grace and mercy in your life. All you have to do is look up long enough out of your own problems, out of your own self, and see God standing there ready to work in your life. God is still there. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In 2016, he will hold you up. I love John Piper. I love, I love the writings of John Piper. And John Piper sums this passage up this way. He says, God is over us. He's over us. He's, he's a big God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. He is a God that is above all things. There is nothing in all of creation that is above God. There is no power. There's no being. There's no force. There's no politician. There's nothing that is above God. He says God is over us. But he also says, look, not just that, but God is beside us. God is right beside us. When we don't know where to turn, turn to your right. God is beside you. He's there to walk alongside of you. He's there to carry you when you can't go on anymore. He is there when you get the bad news. God is beside you. But more than that, God is in you. He indwells you. He lives within you. He empowers you to do the impossible. He empowers you to empowers you to do the significant. When you want to settle for insignificance, God is in you and wants you to do the significant. But more than that, God is around us. He's more than just above us, and he's more than just beside us, and he's more than just in us. He is around us. He has our back, and he has our front. He has our sides. God is around us. But more than that, God is under us. When you can't stand, God will stand for you. When you can't go any further, God will take you the next step. He's all around you, but I add one more, and I'm going to finish with this. God is for you. God is for you. 
Understand that in 2016, God is for you. You may have come in here and you felt like the world is against you. Who cares? God is for you. The scripture says that if God is for us, what? Who could stand against us? So I ask you, I ask you, what's standing against you in 2016? What has you cowered down in the corner in fear? What has you wringing your hands? What has you wiping the sweat off your brow? What has you looking down? If God is for you, none of that, none of that can stand against you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us where we are and accepting us, Father. Now, Lord Jesus, in the power of your name and the power of the blood that was shed on the cross, Lord, I pray that you would do a work in all of us today. Allow us to be used like never before for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purposes in 2016. And Lord, I know, because you said so, we can do it without fear, and we can do it in boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.